you want victory, you can have it in Christ Jesus. Time once again for Abiding in Christ with Jim Wood. You have to step back, evaluate the various positions in light of Scripture, and then re-engage with a godly perspective. Pastor Wood is the founder of Weirs Valley Ranch, a Christian home and school for kids from crisis family situations. Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. You can contact the program by calling 866-41-ABIDE or by visiting us on the web at wvr.org. And now, without further delay, here's your host, Jim Wood. If you would please open your Bibles to John chapter 7. John chapter 7. This is God's Word. After this, Jesus went around in Galilee, purposely staying away from Judea, because the Jews there wanted, were waiting to take his life. But when the Jewish Feast of Tabernacles was near, Jesus' brothers said to him, You ought to leave here and go to Judea so that your disciples may see the miracles you do. No one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. Since you are doing these things, show yourself to the world, for even his own brothers did not believe in him. Therefore Jesus told them, The right time for me has not yet come. For you... Any time is right. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me, because I testify that what it does is evil. You go to the feast. I'm not yet going up to this feast, because for me, the right time has not yet come. Having said this, he stayed in Galilee. However, after his brothers had left for the feast, he went also. Not publicly, but in secret. Now, at the feast, the Jews were watching for him and asking, Where is that man? Among the crowds, there was widespread whispering about him. Some said, He is a good man. Others replied, No, he deceives the people. But no one would say anything publicly about him for fear of the Jews. Not until halfway through the feast did Jesus go up to the temple courts and begin to teach. The Jews were amazed and asked, How did this man get such learning without having studied? Jesus answered, My teaching is not my own. It comes from him who sent me. If anyone chooses to do God's will, he will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. He who speaks on his own does so to gain honor for himself, but he who works for the honor of the one who sent him is a man of truth. There's nothing false about him. Has not Moses given you the law? Yet not one of you keeps the law. Why are you trying to kill me? You are demon-possessed, the crowd answered. Who is trying to kill you? Jesus said to them, I did one miracle, and you are all astonished. Yet because Moses gave you circumcision, though actually it did not come from Moses, but from the patriarchs, you circumcise a child on the Sabbath. Now, if a child can be circumcised on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses may not be broken, why are you angry with me for healing the whole man on the Sabbath? Stop judging by mere appearances and make a right judgment. 
At that point, some of the people of Jerusalem began to ask, isn't this the man they are trying to kill? Here he is speaking publicly, and they are not saying a word to him. Have the authorities really concluded that he is the Christ? But we know where this man is from. When the Christ comes, no one will know where he is from. Then Jesus, still teaching in the temple courts, cried out, Yes, you know me, and you know where I am from. I am not here on my own, but he who sent me is true. You do not know him, but I know him, because I am from him, and he sent me. At this they tried to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him, because his time had not yet come. Still, many in the crowd put their faith in him. They said, when the Christ comes, will he do more miraculous signs than this man? The Pharisees heard the crowd whispering such things about him. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees sent temple guards to arrest him. Jesus said, I am with you for only a short time, and then I go to the one who sent me. You will look for me, but you will not find me, and where I am you cannot come. The Jews said to one another, where does this man intend to go that we cannot find him? Will he go where our people live scattered among the Greeks and teach the Greeks? What did he mean when he said, you will look for me, but you will not find me, and where I am you cannot come? On the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. On hearing his words, some of the people said, Surely this man is the prophet. Others said, He is the Christ. Still others asked, How can the Christ come from Galilee? Does not the scripture say that the Christ will come from David's family and from Bethlehem, the town where David lived? Thus the people were divided because of Jesus. Some wanted to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him. Finally, the temple guards went back to the chief priests and Pharisees who asked them, why didn't you bring him in? No one ever spoke the way this man does, the guards declared. You mean he has deceived you also, the Pharisees retorted. Has any of the rulers or of the Pharisees believed in him? No. But this mob that knows nothing about the law, there's a curse on them. Nicodemus, who had gone to Jesus earlier and who was one of their own number, asked, Does our law condemn anyone without first hearing him to find out what he is doing? They replied, Are you from Galilee too? Look into it, and you will find that a prophet does not come out of Galilee. May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy and inspired word. We live in an age of insanity when people think that whatever they believe is their truth. Not necessarily truth. It's often a delusion. And, and the idea that there is such a thing as truth, that's actually true, whether you believe it or not, that is an essential concept 
for people who want to be sane. If I believe, I am tired of being the age I am now. I don't like it. I'm going to get some Grecian Formula 44, and I'm going to make all the white in this beard, or at least most of it, go away, and I'm going to redo my hair, and I'm going to look younger. And then I'm going to get myself some more youthful clothes. Okay? I'm going to get some jeans that have rips. Okay? And, and I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to become 45 years old. I can become crazy, but I can't become 45, because I'm not. That ship has sailed a long time ago. What you believe does not determine what is true. That's not the main point, but it's getting to the main point. Here's the main point. What you believe about Jesus determines who you are, not who he is. That's what we see in this chapter. All kinds of people with different opinions, not sure what they believe. Maybe this, maybe that. Well, what about this? Well, have you considered that? I think he's a good man. No, no, I think he's deceiving the people. Well, that's just your truth. No, it's not true. What you believe about Jesus determines who you are. It doesn't determine who he is. You've heard me tell the story before about being asked to teach a Sunday school class of difficult middle schoolers in New England many, many years ago. So I arranged with the people in charge of Christian education at that church to let me be in the room before the kids got there and none of them were to introduce me or give the kids any heads up that I was going to be there. No other adults in the room, just this one guy they've never seen before. That was not my church, but I knew the guy who was in charge of Christian Ed there. So I'm sitting in the classroom, and the kids come walking in, and they're looking at me like, who are you? Well, I didn't introduce myself. You've heard the story before. But I asked them after they got in the room, who am I? Well, now they're really baffled, okay? But they tried to come up with answers because I kept pushing them. Who am I? What do you know? And so they began to describe. Folks, I didn't become whatever they said. I am who God made me. And you need to know concerning yourself that what you believe about you doesn't determine who you are. If you think you're brilliant, but you're not, it'll just make you more evidently stupid. If you think you're incapable of learning, I can tell you right now that's not true. Virtually all of you have more potential than you realize.
Now, if a guy decides that he's really female trapped in a guy's body, okay, does that mean that that's his truth? No, it's his delusion. If a female thinks that she is a male trapped in a female body, does that become her truth? No, it's her delusion. But let me tell you, the most important thing that you will decide what you believe concerning is not even who you are. It's who Jesus is. It's who Jesus is. And here's why. Because if you trust him, he changes you from dead in trespasses and sins to alive in Christ. From guilty and under God's wrath to forgiven and dearly loved member of the family. If you trust Jesus, His Holy Spirit will become like a river flowing out of you. You won't just have a drink of living water, you will become a channel of living water bringing life and truth and hope and change to other individuals and to other cultures. Well, I think we need to just respect people's culture and whatever, you know, whatever they're into, that's just, that's, that's what's good for them. Many years ago, David Wilkerson, who's now deceased from old age, was a young country preacher from West Virginia who had arrived in New York in order to try and help gang members who were addicted to drugs get off drugs out of gangs and become followers of Jesus. Somehow, he was tapped to appear on one of the news shows in the morning in New York City. He's put on that talk show with an atheistic Jewish sociology professor from one of the colleges in New York. And the two of them are introduced, this guy with all his educational credentials, and David Wilkerson, a preacher who's recently moved to our city. <laughs> David didn't have a lot of educational credentials to boast of. And... Um, Wilkerson said, you know, I want people to know that Jesus is the answer and so on. And they asked the Jewish sociologist, what, what do you believe? He said, I believe that there is no such thing as absolute right and wrong. What is right for you, remember he's a sociology professor, what is right for you is what your culture tells you is right. You have to adjust to the mores of the culture that you're in. And so what your culture tells you is right is right for you. Reverend Wilkerson, what, what, do you, uh, what do you say in response to that? And he said, well, let me be sure I understand. You're saying that I should live according to what my culture is telling me is right and wrong. But there is no universal standard. And he said, yes, that's right. Wilkerson said, 
Okay, well, let's see how that works in practice. The year is 1939. I'm a young man in Germany, and I have a loaded gun in my hand. I have been taught by my culture that because you are a Jew, you are vermin. And I will be doing a good thing for the world if I blow your brains out. Now tell me why I shouldn't pull the trigger. And the professor said, well, that's not fair. He said, what do you mean? He said, you're appealing to emotion. He said, no, I'm asking you to rationally explain to me why I shouldn't pull the trigger. And the professor said, because human life is sacred. Human life is sacred. Wilkerson said, really? He said, well, then you're not an atheist. He said, you have just identified your God. Man is God. It was your God that killed six million Jews in the Holocaust. How do you like your God? That was pretty much the end of the interview. Why? Because people try to shut God out. And the fact of the matter is, you can't. Everybody is going to stand before him. And the only way that we can be reconciled to him is through Jesus Christ. All of us have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. It's not some people have messed up. We've all messed up. Some of us just do it a little more elegantly than others. But we've all sinned, and we all deserve God's wrath. And we are all under God's wrath. Remember the end of John 3. We are all under God's wrath until we come to faith in Jesus. But when we trust in Jesus, you are not only forgiven, you are loved. You are welcomed. You are dearly loved. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever believes in him would not perish, would not be destroyed, would not be under his wrath would have eternal life. God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but so that through him the world would be saved. God sent his son to save all who believe. If you trust in Jesus, you have eternal life. Listeners of this broadcast from all over the country have signed up to help with the basic needs of children at Wares Valley Ranch by becoming a ranch hand. Ranch hands have committed to giving monthly to help with things like food, utility bills for ranch homes, and gas for the ranch minivans. If you believe the Lord would have you help in this way, you can become a ranch hand by signing up at wvr.org. Just look for the donate button. To step out of my comfort zone Into the realm of the unknown where Jesus is Now notice a few things that deal with this. 
in this chapter. Jesus said, when, oh, I've got to point this out too. <laughs> you see in this chapter, it keeps referring to the Jews. The Jews wanted to kill him. The Jews said this, the Jews said. When it's talking about the Jews here, that's talking about the rulers of the Jews. It's talking about the, the priests, the Sadducees, and the Pharisees. They were the conservative lay people who studied the Bible all the time and still did not recognize the Messiah when he showed up right there in front of them. Okay? So when it says the Jews were amazed and asked how this man gets such learning without having studied. See, they had studied and they still didn't get it. And then Jesus says stuff and they're like, I, I don't know how to answer that. I don't know how to respond to that. Jesus has all this insight. I wonder why Jesus would know the book so well. Oh yeah, he wrote it. So God shows up in human form and they're just like, where did he get all this learning? He didn't go to our school. No, he didn't have to go to your school. He wrote the book. Then Jesus says this, and you need to know this because some of you are deeply concerned about your relatives. And you need to know this if you're thinking, well, how can I know? How will I know if it's true or not? Verse 17, if anyone chooses to do God's will, he will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. Remember what we've said about knowing the will of God? James chapter 1. If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives generously to all people without making them feel foolish for having asked. But he must ask in faith, not double-minded, because the person who's double-minded is not going to get anything. Why? Because if you want to know the will of God so that you can decide whether or not you want to do it, God's not going to keep showing the truth to you. But if you want to do the will of God, God will do whatever it takes to show it to you. So that's the question, and it's the question for you. Do you want to do the truth? Jesus goes on to expose what he knew and they were trying to keep under wraps, and that's the fact that they wanted to kill him. Okay? I mean, they're acting like when they would send folks to ask him questions, it's like, uh, we know that you are a great teacher and that you do not care about the opinions of men, and so we wanted to ask you this question. And all their questions were designed to trap him. And Jesus wasn't like, oh, well, I appreciate those nice things you said about me. He didn't appreciate it. Because why? They weren't looking for a way to trap him. Jesus knew what was in their hearts. And Jesus still interacted and willingly went to the cross. Jesus said, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. He was speaking about the spirit who would be poured out. I want you to understand that Jesus didn't come just so that you could be forgiven. He didn't come just so that you could avoid hell. Jesus came, in his words, 
so that you might have life and have it to the fullest, have it abundantly. He wants his life to fill you and flow through you so that you are a channel of his grace and he can do that for you. He can change you from the inside out. He loves you. He didn't come to destroy you, he came to save you. And he offers you life. If you want to know the truth, you can. You will. If you're willing to surrender your life to him. Don't be afraid to do that. You've been listening to Abiding in Christ. If you have questions that you'd like for us to tackle on the program or comments that you want to make, I want to invite our listeners to call 866-41-ABIDE. That's our toll-free number, 866-41-ABIDE. Or contact us on the web at wvr.org.